The GovEx show is supported by Forrester, helping government organisations perform at their best. Visit forrester.com to learn more. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The GovEx Show, the podcast where we meet the leaders who are transforming the public sector. I'm Tim Coulthard, Marketing Director here at GovEx Digital, and today I spoke to Elizabeth Rodenizer, who is the CIO of the Public Service Commission of Canada. We had a wide-ranging conversation where we explored the ideas of government being future-ready. What does it mean in terms of skills and technology and cultural change? And how does that impact citizens more widely? Elizabeth is joining us at the GovEx Digital Conference in November. So it was great to catch up with her in advance to talk about her career and some of the topics she's looking forward to sharing. Here she is. So Elizabeth, welcome to the GovEx show. Thank you so much, Tim. Glad to be here. Great. It's great to have you with us. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your your role and, and the work you're doing and some of the kind of topics around um, kind of government data and, and the role of CIO in public services. But before we do that, uh, it's great that we get to talk to people from different organisations across different territories around the world. Um, and it's a real kind of privilege that because we're connecting virtually, we can we can meet people from different continents. So. You're in Canada, but maybe tell us a bit more about where in Canada, what, what kind of place it, it is, what's good to do around there, and, what, and how you kind of fill your time there. Okay, um, so I'm in Ottawa, uh, which is the capital. Uh, it's a beautiful city here, and I work just across the river in Quebec, so in Gatineau. So it's, it's very much the national capital region here. It's a very outdoor city, so bike paths that connect from here to 40 kilometers downtown to the Parliament Hill so it's quite beautiful. Sounds it sounds good and the reason one of the reasons we ask is that when all this kind of Covid craziness is over you know people are going to be on their travels so we're, we're kind of accumulating a list of great places to go and we've had a few guests from Canada now and it seems quite competitive everybody in Canada has a kind of great passion for where they live and is a very strong advocate for each territory. Absolutely absolutely um, but you know what, I would actually say I'm also originally from the East Coast. The East Coast is beautiful. The West Coast is beautiful. Um, so I think whether you go from coast to coast to the, our northern coast, you can't go wrong in Canada. Right. Sounds, it sounds idyllic. And we're, we want to get out there as soon as we can. Uh, you know, UK seems like a small island at the moment, but hopefully we'll, we'll get out there soon. Um, I want to just sort of start off by setting the scene around you, you and your and your role in your career before we get into some of the specific issues. So uh, tell us a bit about your sort of career journey up to this point, uh, maybe the kind of most significant steps along the way that you feel have shaped your knowledge or expertise in terms of what you're doing now. So great question. And it's how do you, how do you can kind of condense, if you will, your, your experience? So I think I would keep it to three key points or three key areas. Um, we had a power outage back in 2003 here on the eastern seaboard of Canada US and through that I had the opportunity to work in um, critical infrastructure protection working with uh, US counterparts as well as the private sector so the Northern Electric Reliability Council and in that it was fantastic because you saw public and private sector come together to address the um, outage issues 
that happened on that um, massive outage that impacted 50 million people. So I think that is truly was just an amazing experience over 18 months to work with partners and counterparts to write um, standards for cybersecurity and critical infrastructure protection. Um, so that definitely that the power of partnership, um, which you will see, uh, that's part of what I'll be talking about at, at GovX. Um, and then I go to when I was director of the Canadian Cyber Incident Response Center. Um, again, when we look at the vulnerabilities, whether it's today, whether it was 10 years ago, um, it is something that is not isolated to one sector. It is definitely cross-sector and through that work on critical infrastructure um, response and protection, I had an opportunity to again work with um, private sector, electric, um, the electric sector. Um, and it, it was a really fantastic opportunity to again, see that we need to come together in order to protect not only our nations, but collectively um, countries have to come together as well in order to protect are what is most important and, and to serve our Canadians. Uh, and then finally, I guess, you know, uh, there was always something in me, my background's technical and, and, and a computer science degree, but there was always something that wanted to bridge the business side. Mm. And uh, a number of years ago, I went and did my executive MBA and took on a role where I was able to work with the CIO of the government of Canada on strategy um, and policy. And it was just, an experience that I felt um, helped give me and position me today to not only look at the technical side, but the business side of things. So I guess that's kind of how I would highlight some yeah. aspects. Some, for, some of those kind of formative experiences. One of the sort of recurring things we get from these kinds of conversations is, is about impact and, and the reason that people who maybe could choose public sector or private sector end up getting into the sort of public sectors is they want to deliver outcomes at scale that impact people's lives. Is that something that resonates with you? So absolutely, I, I think it does. I also spend time in the private sector. Um, at the, the top of the tech boom, I decided it was a great time <laughs> to go to the private sector. And I was with a company um, working on their advanced security team. And I would say, you know, my time there was actually something else that I took with me because it gives you those other perspectives that we need. Um, at the time, we merged with a small company in Silicon Valley. Um, we had to work to, um, you know, make sure that our product, which was a security product, was as secure as it could be and in order to serve our customers um, and protect their information and, and their systems. So I think, you know, regardless of if we're public sector or private sector, we all play a key role in what we're trying to do as a collective, um, giving you the best services and now more than ever protecting um, information data. Yeah, yeah. So now you're, you're at the Public Service Commission of Canada. Um, one of the interesting things about talking to people from different kind of government departments around the world is that the terminology varies and, and the way structures are put together varies and roles and remits uh, and so on. So maybe you could tell us what, what the commission does in terms of, of, of its role in, uh, in Canada and then as CIO, how you fit into that and what your key areas of focus are. Sure. So at the Public Service Commission, our whole drive and our whole mandate is to make sure that the public service is merit-based and representative of this great diverse country um, and, and is also nonpartisan. So that is our whole drive. And two of our key business lines are first recruitment. So we run the recruitment system for over 80 departments across the government of Canada. Um, 
And that is where not only public servants, but Canadians um, apply, their gateway to apply to jobs in the government. And we also do assessment, um, leadership competencies, but also Canada is a bilingual country. So second language evaluation. So those are our two key business lines. Um, and my role as CIO is to not only make sure that our operations are running um, for our services, but to work with our program areas as we are all on this transformation journey now in how do we advance and evolve our service delivery um, for, for our clients and for our citizens. Yeah, uh, and what are the kind of big areas of change that have either happened recently or happening now or you envisage in the future in terms of how, how the delivery of that service will adapt, particularly kind of digital view on that? So the pandemic, I believe, worldwide for all of us has been one of the biggest drivers for change and for transformation. And we, within a week's time or so, um, I know all of the, the CIO shop, we went completely virtual um, once that, that mid-March point happened and the whole department actually went virtual. Um, this is a department that's 110 years old, so a lot of culture and a lot of roots. And um, I think if you had have asked anybody seven months ago if the Public Service Commission would embrace remote working like this, nobody would have seen it. Um, so to take a workforce and completely get them working remotely and access and connection, um, first and foremost, that's, that's the first shift. And I think now that we're settled in about six months later, we're looking even further at how do we evolve our, our, our transformation or our business lines. One of our biggest ones right now is we're working on GC jobs transformation. So that is our recruitment system, which the, currently the homegrown one um, is well over um, 10 years. Um, okay. almost two decades. So you can see when you have a homegrown system like that, um, what that means, not only for technology, but for business. So now we're working um, across our organization and work with partners across government yeah. in order to get a modern recruitment system um, for, to get that talent from both yeah. inside the public sector. Yeah. And so it's kind of, there's the way you work as an organization yourselves and your, your own processes. And then there's the way you're serving your you know customers for want of a better word in terms of the people and members of the public that are, that are applying for jobs um i'm interested in your take on how the role of cio itself might have changed in recent years i mean again going back to sort of terminology you know we've had ctos cdos cios sometimes they're one and the same sometimes they're quite different but in terms of your experience in your role as a cio how, how do you see it having changed in the last five, ten years and, and where do you see it going next? Can, uh, can you even see that far ahead? <laughs> I wish we all could, I guess. Yeah. Um, but when I look back at the last five or ten years, there has been a massive shift from a CIO being the technical expert, if you will, to the CIO being a strategic partner at the table and, and a leader. So the CIO is expected to run operations but also feed in with strategy and development and transformation. So I think we are seeing the, the need for tech to have more business acumen and for CIOs absolutely to have more business acumen. Um, I think, you know, when we look at CDOs and, and, and CIOs and CTOs and um, the multitude that we're getting, because now we're also looking at uh, leads in service, right? Service offerings. Mm -hmm. 
So as we get the C-suite looking at different verticals, we must make sure that we don't lose sight and connection of the horizontal because one silo in isolation is not going to serve an organization. So it's making sure that as we move forward that even though roles and responsibilities are laid out, that we make sure those interconnections and that, that collaboration and partnership does not stop within an organization, but also outside of an organization. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and do you feel more connected to sort of outcomes, if that makes sense, you know, uh, rather than the, the idea of technical roles and a sort of internal service provider, you're more connected to what's kind of going on in the outside world and, and how uh, the services, uh, sites, whatever it might be, that you are in charge of executing actually sort of drop on the ground and impact people's lives? Absolutely, because, you know, when we look at our organization and the role of the CIO, it's again, not just operations, but it's making sure that wherever we're going, right, we don't do or take on emerging technology for the sake of emerging technology. We're taking on emerging technology or leading, um, looking to, to, to technology in order to solve problems. And those problems are related to what our business strategy is. It's related to our service offerings. It's relating to the demands of what our clients and Canadians or citizens are looking for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and looking ahead to, to the GovX Digital Conference in November, um, you're going to be helping us to unpack what's a, quite a big topic in terms of the idea of future-ready government, uh, which could carry multiple aspects and we'll, we'll explore a lot of them. But I know in particular, you're going to be looking at whether kind of public sector organizations have the right skills and the, and the right approaches in how they operate. And if they don't have the right skills, where do they get them from? Can you tell us a bit about what you're looking forward to talking about and what those key topics might be in your eyes? Sure. You know, we, uh, it's interesting because I had an opportunity to meet with uh, the Faculty of Computer Science at Dalhousie University. And at the time, it was, we weren't that long with the digital standards out of the Government of Canada. And I was talking to him and I said, you know, I'm looking to understand in, in curriculum today, what are the students walking away with, with the skills and the capabilities in these different areas, which is UX and security and privacy. And through that conversation, he said, well, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for experiences from big projects and getting that into curriculum and getting that into um, the programs. And from that, from that one conversation, what came out is the opportunity to bring other government departments together and look to see how we can support the workforce of the future because it is about our workforce today and retaining them and helping them develop but we can't lose sight that we have to recruit and be looking to the next generation and, and having them want to come and work with us and solve the problems of government and, and what we're trying to do for Canadians and continuously evolve. So I'll be talking a bit about how that, that whole partnership came together and what we achieved together um, in a pilot which was only run over 12 months. Um, but I think, you know, again, it goes back to partnerships. The workforce of tomorrow and even the skills of today, when I look at the Government of Canada, when I look at our, my teams, I don't see just public service or, or public service commission employees. I see Government of Canada employees. And that, I think, is, is where the power and the opportunity lies, is when we look at ourselves as an enterprise and see what 
if we come together, how we can support and better support and develop our work, current workforce and our workforce that we want to recruit tomorrow. And this might be, this might be a bit of an unfair question, but what do you think those key skills are of the future? And I acknowledge the fact that public sector bodies are incredibly diverse and have different areas and requirements for different skills, but are there any common themes that you see as being part of the skill set and the toolkit of an, an effective you know, public sector employee in the future? So without looking at a specific technology, because technology is current, constantly evolving, yeah. we need problem solvers. We need people who can understand not only the technology that we're using today, uh, for a lot of government, the legacy systems, right? The legacy systems that we're running, and in some cases, it's not always documented. So that curiosity to reverse engineer and unpack and, and see how something's working, but also as we move forward and we can move to, to transform and our ecosystems are going to diverge, but we're still going to have connection and have to understand of how do we connect back to those legacies until legacy is no more. Um, and we've moved on to, to more modern systems, which then we will face new, new opportunities and challenges going forward. But yeah, I, I mean, think that, that is first and foremost. Yeah, and, and that, that problem solving um, skill that you, you mentioned, you, you see it at play in the way I mean, you know, we have you know, digital natives, digital immigrants and so on, but I, I guess I'm sort of somewhere in between with that. Is that I, I, I'm not a sort of technological uh, Luddite, as we would call it here in the UK, but at the same time, I don't have that completely instinctive uh, familiarity with systems or processes. And, and you, I see it in, in the work I do with, let's say, people under 25 who can sit down at a piece of software they've never seen before they don't have to read the tutorials. They don't read the how-to guides. They just instinctively understand the interface and what's required and what they're doing, whether it's a, whether it's a new area of technology or not. And I think that that complete that sort of familiarity with with the language of technology and digital is something really interesting. But I guess the idea of experience in quotes is is going to be turned on its head because. The, the longer you've been in a particular area, it may be you're less in touch with what's emerging. You don't have that mindset or skill set to just comfortably adopt whatever's new. Is that is that something you, you've kind of seen at play as well? So I think when you go into the a government area, right, again, it goes to you can't necessarily take the latest language and apply it to a legacy system. Right. And so that's where the, I guess the second item would come is that resilience, that resilience and the, 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 the openness for collaboration, because we've moved well past where one subject matter expert is going to solve the problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that that talent and that generation coming up that can sit in front of the keyboard, like you said, Tim, that is fundamental. But I want to pair that with the people that have been in an organization for five years or yeah. 10 years. I want to pair that with the business analyst who has just talked to the user and knows where they want to go. I want to combine that talent. And that's where I think that the power and the future of the workforce is, is we collectively have to figure out, and in this new hybrid world of working remotely, how do we best affect that? And I yeah. think that is, is really where we're going um, moving forward. Because yeah, and I guess, 
Well, go ahead, sorry. I, I was going to say, I guess, if you're, if you're incredibly digitally literate, uh, you may be used to moving very fast uh, and not talking about Canada per se, but uh, public sector organisations maybe aren't the fastest sometimes. There are certain protocols, there are cultural nuances that you need to be aware of. So again, that, that idea of the more experienced hand that understands how the machinery of the institutions works in harness with somebody that can implement and move at speed and is agile. That's the combination where each can help the other out. And I suppose that's, that's partly what you're alluding to. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of um, this idea of mentoring, cross-collaboration and so on, where, where do you see the role of, of, of that, those kind of trends in terms of how you can improve the performance of the public sector institutions? I think mentoring has a huge role. And, and you know, I have an opportunity when I do speak to either students or, or um, new professionals in the public service, I always say, you know, don't go and look for a mentor or ask for a mentor. Ask for somebody to go for a virtual coffee, virtual nowadays, but ask somebody to go for a coffee and let them know if it's a career specific question or um, something that you want to talk about or unpack from your, your career or, or what problems you're facing at the office. And I think that's a great way, great way to start and a great way for us all no matter how long you've been working um, to really kind of evolve in that kind of continuous learning, if you will, because it's through those mentors that will help you look or search in other areas or consider another perspective that you haven't seen. And you don't just have one mentor. We have many mentors throughout our career. So that's one thing I think, even if I could go back and give my own advice, um, it would be to you know, ask those people that inspired me or I thought had really unique perspectives to go for that coffee and have that conversation. Yeah, I suppose there's, depending on the stage of your career or the area of your sort of skill set you're looking to develop, it's not gonna be a one size fits all where there's one person's gonna walk into the virtual room and have every sort of bit of knowledge that you need. You're, you're gonna to need to build up those networks where you can call upon different people at different times to, to get the information or the support or the mentorship that you might need, depending on what's happening in your career or your work life. Absolutely, and I think we as either mentors or people who are, are seeing this talent, we also have an opportunity to connect these people. Right, so you can often know talent and connect them to um, others who are doing interesting work or work that's of interest to them. And, and that also helps to give them the opportunity um, to kind of expand further, yeah. Yeah, uh, and in the spirit of helping people out and being useful and practical, we, one of the things we like to do on the, uh, on the podcast is find out from our guests what sort of resources they found useful and inspirational during the course of their careers. It can be books, it can be other podcasts, but what we want to do is build up a kind of virtual library of useful things that people who are making the difference in the public sector have found helpful themselves. So anything that you sort of have that springs to mind that you would recommend to our, to our listeners and watchers? So for me, I, I guess I have a couple of books um because you say that i could pick more than one so i'm like okay uh that made my my job easier so first and foremost i would go with um no room uh never split the difference sorry never split the difference by chris voss 
And this, I guess, it goes back to whether you're looking to hone your business skills and even in if you just are purely technical. It's, it talks about kind of the interaction, how you approach negotiation, because we negotiate every day and sometimes we don't look at it. So that, that's the first one um, that I would recommend. The next one I would recommend is by Ijoma Oluo. Um, uh, so you want to talk about race. I think it is so fundamental today as leaders, we need to educate ourselves and we need to understand um, our work environments and, and what our employees and, and future workforce are facing and how can we look into not only our own organizations, but the environments we support and create. Um, and lastly, Brene Brown, Rising Strong. Um, you know, this is one of the things, and sometimes we don't talk about it as leaders, is, you know what, we all fall down. So how is it that we're making sure that when we get back up and to support us in getting back up strong? Um, but I think it also expands our empathy when we see somebody else down um, and be able to better support and, and lead them through um, whatever it is that they fell down on. So I think uh, those are the three resources I would recommend today, but I have lots more, so yeah. I'll just stop there. Those, those are great. And, and we're, we'll add them to the list. We're building this virtual library, which we'll, we'll be putting out soon. So thanks for those. Those all sound both useful and inspirational, which is, which is the kind of dream. So thank you. Um, before, before we wrap things up, um, we like to kind of visit some of the big topics and themes that we're also going to be looking at at the event in November. Um, some of the some of them are the kind of big streams that we're talking about um and getting people's sort of immediate takes on what those concepts mean to them because one of the things we find in our conversations is that you one term may mean something different from one person to the next or they may prioritize certain aspects of it so interested to get your take on some of these uh some of these key topics so if you're if you're ready i'll fire away and, and see what see what you think of each of these so the first one is transformation. Big, big. So break it down to make it iterative and make sure all the key players are at the table, business, tech, and that user client perspective. Okay, good stuff. Uh, service excellence. Oh, fundamental. Um, again, service excellence can't happen without business and technology coming together cannot and uh making sure again always keeping the eye to the canadians or the clients as we do that because we may think we're excellent but if they don't we miss them we miss the mark absolutely uh people and teams the people and teams to me fundamental and the most important part of digital absolutely most important part um, these are the people we do it for. These are the people who help us achieve it and get it done. Um, and today, more than ever in a COVID-19 world, we need to make sure we're taking care of them as well. Uh, maybe on a similar note, inclusion. Uh, why did it take this long? <laughs> right? It's about time. Yeah. Uh, it's about time. So absolutely um, be intentional. Yeah. For sure. And government data. I just strip off government and data. It's the heartbeat. It is what keeps organizations, whether it's government or otherwise, it is the lifeline. And um, I think we have a long way to go to realize 
um, how to best leverage it and use it. And, and there's a, we have a lot to, to um, learn and evolve on data, but I think it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity, but it's actually the heartbeat of everything we do. Yeah. And last one, GovTech. So I find this one interesting. Again, I strip off Gov. I don't see GovTech. Um, and I find GovTech, when I hear it, reminds me of back in the, the 90s, I guess it would be in Canada, we had GTech, so government technology and um, government online. That's what I think of. And I think of, you know what, nowadays I don't see of GovTech, I think of tech. And I don't even know if I think of tech, I think of digital. Because if I'm looking again to apply technology for technology's sake, I'm missing the mark. So for me, it's about digital, it's about strategy and it's about business strategy and how we're meeting service delivery for organizational needs for Canadians and, and clients and realizing that through technology and people and processes. Well, I mean, that, that's wrapped it up really nicely. I think it's really summed up, I guess, some of your ethos around outcomes and impact on the ground as much as the kind of technological side of what you know what sits beneath the role as a CIO so it's been great to kind of explore some of those issues and some of your kind of priorities and, and key interests that you, you see emerging so Elizabeth we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there because I know you've got a busy day ahead of you over there in uh, in Canada and it's the start of the day so We'll, we'll let you go, but we're looking forward to welcoming you virtually to, to the event in November. Um, in the meantime, thanks so much for joining us. It's been, it's been great talking to you. Thanks so much, Tim. Have a great day. Thanks again to Elizabeth for joining us. As I mentioned, she's one of our speakers joining us for GovX Digital 2020 on the 17th to the 19th of November. The great news is it's free to register if you're a public sector executive. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes below and sign up to join us. We're expecting a thousand delegates and we have 130 speakers from all around the world lined up. What promises to be three days of fantastic networking and learning. In the meantime, it's been a pleasure having you here with us on the GovX show. And don't forget to join us next time. Subscribe in the links below and we'll see you again soon. Bye bye.